It is Friday, the 26th of April, 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 37 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. How good of a week has it been? A lot of you might have been on holiday, choosing to take an extra couple of days leave that would have resulted in a, in a longer than average holiday with Good Friday, Easter Monday and Anzac Day. I, I hope you've all had a good week. I know that I have. I didn't go on any holidays, but it normally takes me in Auckland about 30 minutes to get to the office in the morning. It took about 10 minutes this week while everyone else is on holiday, so I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood for other reasons as well. I'm actually recording this on Thursday. And, and I had a few meetings during the day, and I'm not normally a coffee drinker. So like I could literally count on one hand how many coffees that I've had in my life. So in the first meetings today, I got offered a coffee, and I always get offered coffees, and I would normally decline them. But today, I thought, well, it's Anzac Day. What the hell, I'll have one. So I can't say that I, I love the taste, but I, I did feel pretty good after, like really good, actually. And then later in the afternoon, I had another meeting and got offered another coffee, and this time I was like definitely I'm having it. And now it's around 7pm. I probably won't be able to sleep tonight and I'm still absolutely charging. So my whole life I've pretty much been a, a coffee bear, pretty much said things like I don't really understand what the fuss is about, blah, 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 that sort of thing. But now I get it, I, I really do. And it got me looking at, at Starbucks. They trade on the NASDAQ under the ticker code SBUX, quite a cool ticker code in my view. What a company, really. They're, they're awesome. They, they generate about $3 billion US dollars in free cash flow. They pay a lot of dividends and they buy back a lot of stocks. So they're a very impressive company. You have to pay up for that quality, though. So they're valued at nearly $100 billion US dollars by the market, which is more than most of the companies in New Zealand combined. So fantastic company. Um, anyway, I'm getting a bit distracted from today's episode. Point is... Coffee has a new convert, that's me. In this episode, I'm going to give some perspectives on the Lyft IPO and the pending IPO, IPO sorry, from Uber. We do not, do not get that many IPOs in New Zealand, so I have to look offshore if I want to talk about IPOs. IPO stands for Initial Public Offering, by the way. It's when a company first comes to market. Then I'll discuss the recent guidance from Tourism Holdings and a recent acquisition from Scott Technologies. Just a quick reminder before we kick off, send me an email or go to the website www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Click on invest and let me know if you would like to receive my investment report for the first quarter of 2019. Right, so as I mentioned, Uber and Lyft, obviously they're not NZX related, but I think it's good to do a quick chat and update about the IPOs because they've certainly got a lot of interest out there. We obviously had the Lyft IPO firstly the other week in the United States. And I've never dealt with their product, but I understand that they do a similar sort of thing to Uber. And most of you will be familiar with Uber. Essentially, it's a, 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 a I'm not sure if crowdsourced is the right word, but a, a taxi service where, the, where you can just book the, the, the service through your phone and the driver rocks up. It's awesome, pretty much. Um, so the numbers... I'm about to quote, I haven't checked them, so it's mostly just hearsay, but the principle's the same. So basically with, with Uber anyway, you're going to have a company that is apparently going to list at around $100 billion US dollars. So that's the reports I've heard, um, and I've, I've also heard that they're burning through about $3 billion of cash every year. So I do not have the exact amounts, but as I said, let's just say that it's a lot. So you do not need to be a, a mathematical genius to start scratching your head at the numbers here. As, as I always say, the way to think about this is is what it would mean if you were buying the whole company, so every single share outstanding. So imagine you could buy it for $100 billion. 
And what would you want in, in return in cash for the next next five years? You, you, would, you, you can argue about the numbers, but let's just say you'd want $10 billion. That's a 10% return over five years. So hardly, you know, groundbreaking, sort of like 2% a year or whatever. But let's, you'd want at least $10, $10 billion if you're going to lay out $100 billion. So somehow Uber needs to go from losing $3 billion a year to making about $2 billion a year to get a 10% return on your capital from the outlay. And with the basic math, it shows that the numbers get pretty hard when you're talking about a $100 billion valuation. You know, it's not the numbers are that big. It's sort of a mirror of, of Starbucks that I briefly mentioned in, in the introduction. They trade on a valuation of nearly $100 billion, but instead of burning $3 billion in cash each year, they generate it, and that, that might put it into perspective. And we all know how big Starbucks is as a company. So it's it's important at this stage to step back and think about what an IPO actually is. In most IPOs, a company is trying to raise money for for operations by selling some of the stock. And in order to get the best price for the stock, they're, they're trying to sell at the most opportune time. And the op- most opportune time is when they can get the most money. So I think for most IPOs, it's therefore more like a private or negotiated transaction. And therefore, in most cases, you're disadvantaged at a buyer because they're trying to sell at the, the most opportune time so they can raise the most money. So they're trying to get the most money from you as a buyer. And that is why you get companies delaying their IPOs during market corrections because they can't rise, they can't get to the price that they want. Um, and that, that's essentially what's happened with Uber. It's getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And this is what happened with Lyft. They, they first traded at nearly $80 per share. And now they're in the, in, in, in the 50s in no time. And for this reason, I obviously won't be buying Uber on the IPO. Now, the counter-argument counter of this is, is what Uber does. And... And and I have to say that I, I love the product. They've basically taken something that that just sucked, which was getting a taxi. I mean, remember taxi stands? Remember, you know, waiting in line for like half an hour to get in a taxi or calling up a taxi and they don't arrive or they arrive 30 minutes late or whatever it is. I mean, Uber has just eliminated, eliminated that problem for our lives. You order a taxi, it, it's there in two seconds. You don't have to pay the driver. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, and it's sort of like video stores. Nobody actually misses them. And, and nobody, I'm sure, nobody misses calling the taxi company. I, I, I don't think I'd ever had a pleasant experience before Uber came along. You know, I, I may have <laughs> may have upset some of our listeners that could be taxi drivers, but I'm just being honest. And obviously also it has incredible branding. It reminds me of the word Google. Essentially it's become a verb. You know, you don't search something online, you Google it. And Uber has pretty much become a verb. I mean, taxi almost means one thing and to catch an Uber means something completely different. You know, you, when you use an Uber product, you, you don't get a taxi, you actually get an Uber. So they've done a fantastic job of getting out there. And then you look at their other product, Uber Eats. I've, I've tried it. I love it. And I know they charge outlets about 35% of, of their sales in New Zealand, so I'm not sure how sustainable it is because that's a truckload. But basically, it's a, it's a great product and, and service that, that consumers love. So on the one hand, you have a company that on most quantitative measures, that's the numbers, you know, market cap, profit, cash flow, balance sheet, share count, et cetera. It's, it's, it's shocking. It looks The numbers look shocking. But then on the qualitative side, you have something that really could take off and it's already taken off, but you can imagine a world where they do get profitable. And I can imagine a world where Uber does justify its valuation. So it is a tough one. It's a tough one for me. It's too tough for me. I'll be passing on the IPO for sure, but it'll be on my watch list, if nothing else, just to pay 
just to pay attention to because sometimes when you've got these companies that are that have such qualitative excellence it does take a while for the for the qualitative nature of the business to reflect on the balance sheet think of amazon for example that was a company where it that powered along and it took a long time for the company's performance to reflect on the balance sheet. And it could be the case with Uber. Although at, at the $100 billion valuation, it, it does get me a bit leery. Anyway, so moving moving back to New Zealand, let, let's start talking about tourism holdings. It's been a tough few months for owners of tourism holdings. So tourism holdings, they, they trade on the NZX under the ticker code THL. It has been one of the darling names on the NZX for the last few years. In 2013, you could buy them for 60 cents a share or something like that, and it actually reached highs of $6.50 per share in June last year. So you had more than a 10-bagger in five years, and that's not including the dividends. So during that time, the company also paid out $1.13 in dividends. So long-term holders of the stock are definitely sitting pretty, and they might not be too bothered about the recent price action. So that... They, they increased the dividend payout from $0.04 cents a share in 2013 consistently through to $0.27 cents per share in 2018. And, I mean, forgetting about what they do for a second, this number pretty much explains it. If you hold everything constant and, tick, and stick a 6% dividend yield on $0.04 cents per share, you get a share price of $0.67. Cents. You stick a 6% dividend yield on $0.27 cents per share and you get $4.50 a share. And that's that's... They're not trading too much below that now. And, I mean, this is the, the a key lesson, all else being equal. If you increase your dividend per share over time, then the company is going to be worth more. It, it, it makes sense. Now, that doesn't mean you need to run out and buy companies based on this criteria, but it is worth thinking about. You know, THL is worth a lot more paying $0.27 cents per share out than what they're paying at $0.04 cents per share. And I can I could confidently say that if THL one day paid out $1 per share per to, to the shareholders per year, then the stock will be worth a, a, a lot more than what it is now. So it just shows that investing doesn't have to be complicated. Now, figuring out if THL has the capability of, of paying out $1 a share in the future is a completely different story. Anyway, getting distracted now. So THL, they, they run tourism operations and businesses. And as an aside, they do add nice diversity to the NZ, NZX. You know, it's not just the standard electricity providers and retirement operators. So they own a stack of RV and motorhome rental businesses in New Zealand and the United States. Brands that you might be familiar with, such as Maui and Brits. They also operate some tourism businesses. Some that you may know are Kiwi Experience and the Watomo Caves. At a very high level, I like these types of businesses more than the RV side of things. I mean, competition, for example, they can't open a Watomo Caves down the road from you. There's only one Waitomo Caves, but they can compete with you on the RV side of things. And you know th- these these businesses aren't as cyclical as as the RV side of things, which we'll get to soon. So, anyways, the stock has fallen from highs of over six dollars fifty per share down to where they are now at just over four dollars per share, and the stock is down over thirty percent from its fifty two week high. So, the company has recently expanded into the United States. And earlier in the month, they downgraded their, their guidance of full-year net profit after tax to between 25 and $28 million. This is down from previous guidance of $32 million. Now, I don't, see, I don't see much coming, but I have to admit, I'll stick my hand up, I, I, I did see this one coming. And if you'd kept your ear to the ground, you would have maybe picked up on, a first clue, on some clues that this was coming along. Your, your first clue would have been if you'd followed the US RV market. I follow a, a stock in the United States that trades under the ticker code 
I'm, I'm sorry, the, the stock is called Thor, Thor Industries. I think the, the Thor comes from a combination of the founder's name, so I'm not, not 100% sure on that. It's a cool name for a company anyway. It trades under the ticker code THO. They manufacture RVs, and I believe that THL was actually partnered with them on some things. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, RVs are a cyclical business. The reason for this is that once you buy one, you, you generally don't need to buy another one for a while. It's not like a mobile phone where you can easily lose it either. It's not, it's not like you're going to lose your RV. So it, they're a cyclical business for that reason. So sales are, are typically going to follow these trends, those ups and the downs. And basically what you saw overseas was a slowdown in RV sales, which is perfectly natural, but as, as always, it's not something that the stock market always expects. They they expect during boom times that the boom will keep on continuing, and that's why you get overvaluations of stock to $6.50 a share in THL's case and an eventual pullback. So... What what other you know I think THL maybe could have done a better job with strengthening up their balance sheet during the boom time to prepare for this, but that's an aside. So what were the red flags in the THL case? Well, the first thing that I noticed was that in August two thousand eighteen, the company came out and said that they were introducing a dividend reinvestment scheme. Now I've always had the unpopular opinion that these schemes in general are a bad thing for shareholders. Not always if they're bought on the market, but generally this is because new shares are issued instead of paying dividends. And these shares are, are, are dilutionary. I mean, if you issue more shares, everyone else owns a smaller piece of the company. And the company essentially sells part of itself to give more people more shares and avoid paying a dividend. Now, why would, company want, why would a company want to pay avoid paying a dividend? And it's often because they are having or expecting cash flow issues. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are, but every time I see it, I always want to look into it more. And I did an episode on dividend reinvestment plans and check out episode 11 to listen to that. So around the same time, the CFO of THL also took medical leave. Of course, taking medical leave is probably completely unrelated to what is happening at the company, but at the very least, this is likely to cause a little bit of disruption in the company. So in October, they updated this this news and said that the CFO was on medical leave and for personal reasons has decided to pursue opportunities elsewhere. Interesting. And the next thing I noticed was that in October 2018, the company came out and said they might be selling some of their tourism businesses, specifically Kiwi Experience and some of their Discover Waitomo businesses. To me, this on top of the dividend reinvestment news implied to me that things not, might not be going that smoothly. And the deal to sell these assets fell over. They couldn't get the price that they want, but it felt like they were trying to raise money. And of course, in the market, you never know things for sure, but unless you're an insider. So you can only make, it was only an assumption I was making. Basically, you got to put the pieces together and come to a conclusion. And sometimes that conclusion is right and sometimes it's wrong. But in this case, it, it, it seemed to be correct. And then interim results came out in February 2019 with net profit of $17.5 million, down from $22.8 million or 23% from the prior reporting period. And then came the news in April of the guidance downgrade that I spoke about at the start of the segment. Now, does this make THL a bad company or, or a bad buy? And Not necessarily. It might turn out to be a good buy from here. I don't actually know, as I said earlier. You you need to build things like this into your expectations with a cyclical business. And it, it is normally to buy better to buy these sorts of businesses or these sorts of companies during periods of bad news when people are panic selling. And 
I, I imagine if this is the worst of it and they can maintain the dividend, then the stock might actually be a good buy at six at a six point five percent yield. And certainly if they can grow the dividend like they have in the past from here, then it will be an excellent buy. And obviously if there's more to come, more bad news, then then there might be some more downside to the stock and time will tell. And and certainly what would confirm that is if the company came out and said they they had to cut their dividend and It'd be really interesting to see what happens there. Okay, so moving on from THL, the final company that I want to talk, what I'll mention briefly today is is Scott Technology. They trade on on the NZX under the ticker code SCT. They are based down in Dunedin, which is where I'm from. If you haven't been to Dunedin, I surely recommend you go. Not sure how many NZX companies are actually headquartered in Dunedin, but there cannot be many, and and. But the Scott technology is definitely one. So not sure if that's the reason, but they do slip under the radar. I think this might have been the, the first time that I've spoken about them on the podcast. So they're not that widely followed. Have a look at their website. Go to www.scottautomation.com to get an idea of what they do. Like Tourism Holdings, I think that they're a good company to have listed on the NZX. It adds a bit of diversity away from the standard generators in retirement villages. They do automation and robotics. Like they say on their website that they are recognised as a world-class builder of advanced automation systems. So I'm not going to pretend to have a special insight into what they do, but looking at their website though on the surface, I do not think it would be too difficult or take too long to figure out the company. Market cap or the valuation is currently 191 million, and they pay a four percent dividend yield. So they they have shown some strong growth over the last five years. Revenue was 60 million in 2014 and 181 million by 2018. From this, they generated just under 20 million dollars in operating earnings in 2018. And I'm starting to think that I should know more about this company as I'm reading this now. So there's not much in the way of cash flow. They generated 615000 from operations in 2018 and then had to spend a further $2.5 million in CapEx. So they made up the difference by issuing more debt on the balance sheet, essentially. Anyway, the news. They came out during the week and said that they had made an acquisition of a company called Norma Class. I think I said that correctly. <coughs> Excuse me. They are a French-based technology provider specialising in automated beef grading using machine vision. Now, I have no idea what machine vision is. And the Norma Class website looks like it is in French and doesn't really give much information away. So I'm I'm taking this mostly from the Scott Technologies announcement. They've said Norma Class is the leading provider of grading technique to meet processes in both France and Uruguay. The system uses digital cameras to collect data and measurements of each carcass, which is then analysed by software in real time to determine the carcass classification. This classification in conjunction with carcass weight and market prices determines the carcass price paid to the farmer. So sounds like essentially you, you take the technology, you scan a dead cow, I suppose, a cow carcass, and it comes back and figures out a price of what it could be. So I guess that's a more accurate way than just a farmer looking at the carcass and coming up with a price. Anyway, so it looks like the acquisition will be immediately accretive to earnings, which means that it's profitable. So they're buying a profitable company. It doesn't say how big the acquisition is, which probably means it's not humongous, and they'll update the market in May. 
Interesting question would be is if Scott Technologies already has lots of customers in New Zealand that are already meat processes. So if they did, I wonder if this would be a sort of um, a technology that they can also sell these meat processes. So it could be one of those ones that, yes, it's immediately accretive to earnings, but it could be also one that they can suddenly and very quickly and very easily expand their customer base on. So not only could it could, I don't know if this for sure, but it could be accretive to earnings, but it could also add to earnings as well. So, you know, worth adding to your watch list. Looking forward to May to, to find out more about the announcement. So that's about all we have time for today. <laughs> Normally when I record this, I sort of write down what I'm going to say and then record it in parts so it's you know nice and easy to manage. But today after whacking through two whole coffees, I've, I've just recorded it in one go. So let me know if that's added to your listening experience. It might have might have cut some of the jumps out of it, I'm not sure. But many thanks again for listening in. As a reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. If you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook. Make sure also to share it with your friends. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Midlin, and this has been episode 37 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday the 26th of April 2019. I'll see you all again next week. And if I give you one piece of advice for next week, it is make sure you have a coffee. See you later.